there are five things every year we focus on, right, around Christmas, and they are life-changing things, and they're, they're behind me here. You see four of them. This is the gift of hope. This is what Christmas gives to us, the gift of hope, the gift of love, the gift of peace. There's a gift of light, which is Christmas Day. We talk about that one, light in the dark. And it's my contention that all these things actually create a joy in us. So my question to you at the beginning is how much joy is in your life right now? Like you could probably tell somebody it's, it's not there or it's, it's low at the moment. I think it's a good question to ask. You know, we've been challenged this year. Some more than others, we've been disappointed, stretched. We're weary. And yet the Advent theme for us is a weary world rejoices. You can see where we're heading towards Christmas Day, can't you? Can I just say, church, it's okay to be weary. (laughs) It's okay to be stretched in all directions. You know, it's okay for us to say life is hard. It's difficult. It's okay. You know, sometimes as the church, we try to pretend everything's all right. But that's not reality, is it? But here's the wonderful message of Advent. The coming of Christ 2,000 years ago and his promise to come again means that even in the middle of your weariness right now, there is joy to be found. Amen? Now, if you've lost your joy today, it's okay, but I want to tell you it can be found. Nathan, uh, you got questions, right? Nathan, how? How do I find the joy? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me share... An example of joy in very, very difficult circumstances. And you know this story. I've, I've mentioned it before in my messages, and you've read it probably a hundred times yourself. It's the story of Paul and Silas. You know, they're traveling through Philippi. You've got Paul, you've got Silas, you've got Timothy and Luke, and they encountered this fortune teller who Paul discerned had an evil spirit in her. And Paul commanded the spirit, leave. And it did. But when the people who'd made money from this woman's ability to tell the future, uh, found out what had happened. They conspired against those men, particularly Paul and Silas. And here's what it says in Acts 16. You ready? The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped. Then they were beaten with rods. And after they'd been severely flogged, severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. Then the jailer was commanded, guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, and there they were with their feet in the stocks, which is serious stuff, isn't it? You know, we can read these stories so quickly. You know, if John Grisham was writing that story, that would be two chapters right there. Luke did it in two paragraphs. But I, I just say that to get, to get you just to pause and think for a second about what's just happened to these two. You know, imagine if our government didn't like some of the way we practice our faith. Perhaps it's not that hard to imagine sometimes these days. You know, put yourself in these two shoes. What if someone complained to the authorities about the way we had prayed for someone? Because that's what he did. You know, prayed over that, that lady for her to be free of that demonic oppression. Imagine if we were arrested just for that. And in the courts, we thought we would be okay in the courts, 
But they agreed. And the magistrate says, you're, you're off to prison. Imagine what it would be like to be removed from our families and put into a prison, and it's not like a prison like we would know it today. You know, just for praying for someone. You know, just, I, I just put myself in their shoes. Can you picture or can you feel the injustice of that? If it was us, like in today, how upset we would be, the anger, the fear, the uncertainty. This is what happened to Paul and Silas. And then something amazing happens in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Isn't that amazing? Stripped, beaten, severely flogged, thrown into prison with feet fastened in shackles because they followed Jesus and they have a praise and worship service. And I don't know how that happens. They found a secret. There's something about these two that's different. It's got to be the lowest point of their life, surely. Think about the lowest point in your life right now. Don't stay there too long. But in that point, in that low point, they found the joy of the Lord. Now, let's be clear. We're not talking about happiness today. There's no way they can be happy after being flogged, right? This is just after it's happened. They're probably still in a lot of pain. They're feeling it. There's got to be blood around, right? There's no way they're smiling and laughing after that. This is not a sermon about fake it until you make it. This is not about grin and bear it. The trials you all experience in your life are real and they are painful, but it seems there's something else going on in Paul and Silas that's bigger than losing or not having happiness. So here's my first point today. Happiness and joy are very different things. But you probably already knew that. Happiness is generally an emotion that's generated from our, our, our circumstances around us, isn't it? It's the moment we're in right now that, that brings a, a feeling of happiness. And it's a wonderful thing. We feel incredibly good when we're happy. You know, I love moments of happiness in my life, and I love to see it in, in, in others as well. They're, they're awesome. The reason we love happy moments in our lives is because when we have happy circumstances, our bodies, they naturally produce a drug like dopamine and serotonin, and that gives us these happy feelings. You know, God, God gave us those things, by the way, those chemicals. They, gave us, they give us these happy feelings, and they, throw, they flow through us, and it kind of shows on our face and is expressed outwardly. It's a natural part of our lives, and it's something that we were created with. It's a gift from God that we should embrace. It's good to be happy, church. So you hear me on that? not saying happiness is bad. It's good to be happy. Embrace that gift from God. But unfortunately, happiness usually stops when there's circumstances around us that make us happy stop. And let's be honest, there hasn't been a lot of happy circumstances this year. Have you noticed? You know, I admit I've struggled to find happiness lately. Is there anyone in the same boat as me here this morning? It's okay. You're okay. But I want to encourage you today. Happiness may be fleeting, but as followers of Christ, you have a reason to not lose your joy. See, this is where the, the, the world who don't know God can run into trouble. We're on a constant pursuit for experiences that make us happy. 
And this is why alcohol and drugs and pornography in excess, well, pornography is never good, but, you know, alcohol in excess and, and, and drugs, this is why they're so prevalent. This is why we try and fill our lives with wealth and possessions and more and more stuff because the times between happiness can be really hard to take. And, and we look for the next thing. To make matters worse, what once made us happy over time kind of doesn't make us that happy anymore. You know, become a little bit desensitized to it. Do you know what I mean? And so we go looking for more and bigger and better and we try and find that feeling again. If only I could be happy. You know, you think that wealth will make you happy, but you speak to some wealthy people around the world and they'll tell you they're not happy. It might make life easier in some ways, but it doesn't bring long-lasting happiness or joy. In fact, I would say we become so obsessed with the pursuit of happiness that we spend too much of our life being disappointed with where we are. The pursuit of happiness is something this world is obsessed with, but I want you to know today that happiness, while being good for us, remember I said that, it's temporary, it can be shallow, and it shouldn't be our main aim in life. Joy, from our relationship with God, on the other hand, is long-lasting, it's resilient, it's satisfying, and it's deep. If we're willing to pursue God and his plan for us, so what is joy? How are we going to find it? C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. You know, it's interesting that Lewis associates joy with something really serious rather than something light. You know, when we think of happiness, we think of something light and fun. Lewis is saying joy is serious stuff. Joy can often, can and often does produce feelings and emotions in a similar way to happiness, but joy has a permanent place in the life of a believer after those good feelings of happiness fade away. You know, the feelings and emotions that joy produces can come and go, but joy itself is or should be a permanent fixture based around the choice you make to daily put your hope in Jesus. Because joy is built around hope. That's why I said all these other things they all kind of point to each other, by the way. They work well together. But all those other things is what brings the joy. It's the hope and it's the peace and it's the light and it's the love. Our hope for an eternal future and the assurance of the, that the Holy Spirit you know, brings into our heart that says, you are one of mine. You are my child. You are in my family. That brings the joy. During difficulties and trials, joy holds steady because God's love for us never wavers. You know, that joy sustains us long after happiness has packed up his bags and boarded the plane and deserted us when we are looking for it. So it seems to me that joy is not a natural state of being, but it is from a supernatural being. Which leads me to my second point. Joy comes from the increasing presence of God in our life. I love what the psalmist says in chapter 16. He says, You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Now, if you're struggling to find your joy today, it may be that you're not closely walking with God. I'm just going to say it. It's kind of blunt, isn't it? Maybe you're not disciplining yourself to daily enter into his presence. You know, we, we can do that. We have the choice to make, to be in God's presence. 
you know, last night I was, I was sitting at the table with my family thinking about the message today. And I've got to admit, I wasn't feeling it at that time. And, I, and I, had to, I said to my family, I've got to go up to the church and pray. Now, I can pray at home, I know. But I wanted to come up here and pray for you guys today and, and, and just spend time in God's presence. And I, I can feel what the psalmist is feeling here. He grants me the joy of his presence. If we do nothing about drawing close to God, the joy that we experience on, a, on our day of salvation. You know, do you remember when you were first, when you first committed to Christ? Do you remember that joy you felt? You know, maybe you were like the kids, you're only 8 or 10 years old or 12 years old or you're at high school camp every single year getting saved or whatever it was, you know. Do you remember that time when you first put your faith in Jesus and there was a joy in your life and it was, it was hard to express what you felt? Do you, has anyone had those moments? Sometimes that, that, that memory can fade away and we have to remember it. Now, you know that I'm a fan of Formula One racing, right? Two weeks ago, there was a major crash. Roman Grosjean, he's a French driver, plowed into the barrier, and his car split in two and exploded into a ball of flames. Has anyone seen this on the news? For 28 seconds, he was in that fireball, completely engulfed, and on his third attempt, he managed to extract himself from the safety cell. It was kind of wedged up against the barrier, and he jumped over the barrier into the care of the medical team. They were, they were trying to find, where is he? All we see is fire. His only injury was his hands. He had some burns on his hands. You know, 20 years ago, that wouldn't be the case. That was two Sundays ago, or maybe three Sundays ago. But last Sunday night, just gone, I watched on TV, and, he, and they had this moment where he was thanking all those who helped him. There's a second picture. Do you see that guy there on the right-hand side? He's aiming a fire extinguisher in the right place. And when he was introduced to that fire marshal that had ran and got to him first and pointed the extinguisher exactly where it needed to be, you know, Roman's face just lit up. And he, he broke all the COVID rules and he hugged him and he said, you saved my life. And then later he was being interviewed by Martin Brundle and, um, and he was just telling him how that, that his life had changed. He saw everything different, you know. His priorities were different now. He was grateful for his saviour is what he said. And how quickly we forget that our Lord saved us from, a, from our own fire, if you know what I mean. But the difference is Jesus took the place. The Bible says he could have called an army of angels and instead he stayed on the cross and he saved me for eternity. And that's why we have joy in our hardest times. Not always happiness, although joy can turn to happiness, as I said, but a deep down joy that bubbles to the surface at any time and sits deep in our soul when we're facing those difficulties when we allow God to have all of us and we're restored to relationship with him as he originally intended us to be, this is the outward flow you know, that we receive and we can't help but sing about his greatness. That's why we were singing this morning. Even though some of you here this morning are in the middle of the deepest trials, 
you still have your joy. You won't feel happiness when the world is persecuting you or when you're at your lowest or when you go, you know, things are going pear-shaped at your work or things are slipping away from you in your life. You won't feel happiness then. And no one would expect you to, quite frankly. However, with God at the center of your life, there's a deep seed of joy that remains because you know you are still in his hands, no matter what the circumstances. Hope remains and joy is the result. Point number three, joy comes from looking ahead. Now, to be honest, it's a choice we have to make. It's all part of the renewing of the mind that we've been talking about recently. You know, we've got to take ownership of this sometimes. It doesn't just magically happen. Sometimes we just have to make the choices. You know, we choose to be in the presence of God, and sometimes we have to look ahead. I noticed it wasn't until midnight before Paul and Silas started singing. Did you see that? Well, what happened between whatever time it was they landed in jail in midnight? They had to sit and talk together, obviously. I can picture that, this. You know, suffering, very miserable, but together, digging deep. You know, another point could have been do it together, by the way. Digging deep, choosing a song, maybe kind of reluctantly singing at first. I really feel like I've got a place for joy at the moment, Silas. <laughs> Paul. We have to look ahead. We have to remember what Christ has done. And we have to look ahead. Let's sing crown him with many crowns. And they start reluctantly. But trusting God. God, we don't have the feeling right now, but we have the faith. The mustard seed size faith. And that is enough. And then God taking that faith, a little mustard seed sized faith, and stirring up their joy as they look forwards. And there must have been something real in it because the rest of the prison is listening in and probably being ministered to by these two through song. And this is what we do at Advent, even when it's hard and the feelings might not be there. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like going to prayer meeting tonight, Lord. But I look ahead and I remember what you have done for me. I was talking to one of our congregation this week. This person is struggling with, with their health. And they haven't, even, haven't been able to come for many months to, to church. And they've been watching online, by the way, and, and they just said to pass on their thanks to all our team who does such a great job making it possible for them to still be with us on Sundays. Now, I don't remember the, the exact words. He said to me, it was something like, I eagerly wait for Christ's return. This person in the middle of the lowest time health-wise. Because there was hope. And I could sense it on the phone. There's a, there's a joy there. And it's a hope of eternity that Christ brings. On the 1st of, or in February this year, in a suburb north of Sydney, seven children, all cousins, five from one family and two from another, they decided on a hot day to walk down the road and get ice creams. And the worst kind of tragedy would happen. A drunk driver doing over 100 kilometres an hour in a 60 zone lost control and ran into all seven kids. And four would die on the scene and the fifth would go into a coma for two months and suffer a lifelong brain injury. 
And it's the parents, every parent's worst nightmare, right? Well, last Sunday night, you may have seen it too. I watched a report on Channel 7. Michael Usher was the host. I cried so many times. <laughs> this family had incredible hope because the two families that lost their children in this tra- tragedy, they, they were strong believers in Jesus. And instead of that injustice and that incredible pain and tragedy, instead of that pushing them away from God, it actually drew them in closer. That doesn't always happen. They had an incredibly strong faith. It was not weakened in their desperate time of need. Instead, it became their source, their source of strength. It was where their hope came from. He was where their hope came from. You know, as much as I cried in sympathy with these two families, I just, I admired their faith. My own hope and joy in the Lord was renewed just watching these, these parents going through this tragedy. You know, the whole documentary is filled with their faith in Jesus. And, and I, I give credit to Channel 7, it was Sunday night program, for putting that at the forefront I must admit I'm a fan of Michael Asher. I think he does a fantastic job. You couldn't miss it. There was, they were an incredible witness to the world, but right at the end, I saw something in their eyes. I saw them look forward, and when they did, right beside the grief, which is evident and it should be there, was a joy. Not happiness. Joy in what they knew is still to come. I just, I've just got a minute I want to show you on the screen. What punishment is the right punishment for four deaths? What kind of sorry is the right kind of sorry? We know there are, there are harms that in this life you can't make right. Oh my God, I'm sorry for my sin. After the crash at the site where four kids were killed, there was an impromptu and emotional roadside vigil. It was here, two days after she lost three of her children, that Leila Abdullah did something remarkable something given the enormity of the tragedy that few expected and many could never contemplate. She forgave the driver. Right now I can't hate him. And I don't want to see him. I don't hate him. I think in my heart I forgive him, but I want the court to, to be fair, right? It's all about fairness. If Jesus can forgive, we have to forgive. Forgiveness helps me live in the present. It helps me not carry anger or hate. I pray for the driver. I pray for the passenger. I pray for everyone who is in need of prayers. But at the same time, you need justice, and we believe in to justice. Just because we forgive doesn't mean we don't want to see the, the full force of the law applied. On that question of forgiveness, you can forgive but I would imagine you would have mates around you probably saying to you, well, let's sort him out. Have you had people approach you who aren't as forgiving as you that want stronger action against the driver? Yes, I have. I've had people wanting to seek revenge and I've asked them to to stop. And they have stopped. And they've cried when I've said that because they... How can I say it? They, they look at it and they, they don't understand it. When I say, just leave him, it's not going to get my kids back. He's with the court now. 
I don't want anger, bitterness and revenge in my household today. We've focused on forgiveness and starting our lives all over again, knowing that we'll see them soon. There is life after death, absolutely, and that's what gives me comfort to know that she's with the Lord and with her cousins, and I will see her again. And if I didn't think I was going to see her again, I, I'd, I would be a very different person. She's with the Lord, and I will see her again. And if I didn't think I would see her again, I would be a different person. When you see those faces, look to the future, to eternity with Jesus and their loved ones. It seems funny that I'm preaching on joy with that video clip, I know. But I just hope you saw the glimpse of hope and a joy of the Lord that's in there. The world doesn't understand that kind of hope that brings this joy. It's supernatural and it comes from an encounter with Jesus it comes from forgiving someone that is impossible to forgive. Impossible in our strength, but possible when Jesus lives in you. And this is why Paul and Silas could sing. They remembered their salvation. They looked ahead and believed that the Lord would fulfill all that he has promised. And this is where their joy came from. The parents of those four kids had it too. There's no happiness in this moment, but their hope and faith as they look to eternity, fan the flames of joy in the middle of their sorrow. And if you lack joy today, I want to tell you to start by putting your hope in Jesus. And no matter what happens, he is with you. And there is an eternity with him. And if you're sitting here today, I, want to, I just want to say to you, if, if you've never committed to, to Jesus, I want to invite you today to do it. Follow him. If, you, if you've wandered from, from him, if you need to repent, do it today. Get right with the Lord. It's a life to the full. That's what he promises us. So when you face the absolute worst possible tragedy, there will always be hope. There will always be hope. I want to invite you just to close your eyes and, and bow your heads. This morning, if you, want to, um, if you want to put your faith in Jesus, there's three, three things that you can do. It's the ABC. A is it admit what you have done. Admit your need for God. Admit that you are a sinner. B is believe in who he is. He is the son of God. He came to earth 2,000 years ago at Christmas time. He died and rose again. And C is commit Say, I'm all in for you, Jesus. I'm all in. I commit to you. You are my Lord. And if you want to do that today, I just invite you to just raise your hand where you're sitting. And we're going to pray that prayer. You can just echo it in your heart. Is there anyone today? Is there anyone today who wants to come back to Christ if you've wandered away? And commit to him afresh. And find that hope and joy. Thank you. Let's, you can pray with me. Just echo this prayer inside in your heart. 
Lord, we thank you that you came to earth and that you died and rose again. And now I commit to you. Come into my life. You are my Lord, and I will follow you. Help me, Lord, to live for you. And Lord, I just pray now for all of us sitting here, if we're struggling to find the joy of the Lord right now, God, um, I pray that you will fan the flames. I pray, Lord, that um, you will help us to know the joy of what you have done for us again afresh, Lord Jesus, and that it would live permanently in us even at the hardest times. God, we put our hope in you, everything in you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are the God of angel armies and that you, um, you said you would always be with us and that you would never leave us or forsake us. We thank you that you're always by our side. And Lord, we follow you each and every day afresh. Amen. Amen.